Welcome to the Forbes India Cover Story podcast series in association with the Indicast.com. My name is Abhishek, and to talk about this issue's cover story is Prince Thomas, the senior assistant editor at Forbes India. Hi, Prince. It's great to have Hi, you. Hi, Abhishek. Hi. This uh, particular story is about the liquor industry, and um, that's not mainly the the primary, the heart of the story. And we'll come to that in a bit, Prince. But you know, they say that. you have to push yourself as much as you can to bring out a you know a good solid well researched story uh, so can you get away with drinking on your job while at the desk under the pretext of you know getting into the character of various brands and it's a greater good yeah sure i mean you can do that to get the feel because here we are comparing two different companies two different brands i mean different kind of products so Maybe to tell say that not to get the feel of the product, we need to taste it. <laughs> so we could. Did you? Did you? No, I uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> not much of a drinker, ironically. Right. So what's this story about, Prince? Story. I tell you the trigger for the story. I mean, uh, this was um, I was having a talk with my editor, Vijit Gupta, around the time when the controversy had erupted between the two ads. One ad had Bonner Records, uh, Royal Stag, Bhaji saying the very popular punchline about how we made it large. And then slightly after some time, there was McDonald's ad with Doni, uh, which ridiculed this character of Harbhajan in the Royal Stag ad. And then they followed, they followed by a lot of tweets by Vijay Malia, you know, sarcastic tweets. So that was the trigger. And we talked to some people and we realized that there is actually a real story behind this. And that's what the trigger. And then we started talking to people, meeting, researching, and we realized that for the last ten years, there has been a very kind of an untold battle happening between uh, United Spirits and Panorama. United Spirits, as we all know, is the largest spirit-selling company in India and the world now. And Panorama is a French multinational. Uh, it's, it's smaller than uh, USL, United Spirits in volumes, but uh, much bigger in terms of profits. So uh, that's how we started, and uh, there was, I mean, as you would read in the story, it's an exciting story. Also, about the two contrasting personalities of people who head these companies. Karnataka, India, is headed by Param Ubra, and United Spirits has been driven and headed by Vijay Malia ever since he took over uh, at the age of, uh, I think, he was in mid twenties when he took over in the eighties. So contrasting uh, strategies of two companies, contrasting personalities of people who are heading these two companies. So that's where we started, and uh, the story is about how Panorama, and in Indian liquor industry, is a very tough place to function. Uh, one because every state has its own excise custom duty structure, right. because liquor is a state policy. So you have kind of a 26 countries within. India, in terms of when you look at the liquor industry, mm-hmm. and for multinationals to come to India and succeed is very difficult because many multinationals have come, tried their hand in India, none has succeeded. They succeeded in building one brand, but no one has succeeded in building a local brand. They would bring the international brands which are already well known. So, Panorama, Panorama in the last 10 years has built an unprecedented success story in the liquor industry for the multinational. And on the other hand, you have United Spirits, which has grown organically also and built the largest spirit uh, business in the world in yeah, terms of volume. You know, we we read a lot about uh, Malaya being a liquor baron. How is Something. his business doing? His dominance in the liquor, the spirit 
market and the beer market is kind of unchallenged because in both the markets, he has over 60% market share. So in terms of volumes, there's no competition. In fact, if you look at the numbers, United Spirit sells around 116 million cases a year. And United Spirit has built his business through a lot of intense competition, a lot of acquisitions. And United Spirit has almost 150 brands. So it's a huge company straggling across segments, across regions. And there will be a lot of brands you wouldn't have heard of. These are regional brands, more of the regional play. It's a huge company, a huge influence because Malia himself is a larger than life uh, personality. He owns two very popular uh, sport teams. But of late, for a few years, uh, there's been concern that uh, the business is such a huge volume, it's not giving enough profit. One reason is that there's a lot of debt on the books of United Spirits. It had acquired White and McKay in 2007, and uh, other acquisitions also happened. So right now it has a debt of almost more than 6,500 crore. And that's a huge burden on the company because interest payments are huge, so that affects your net profits. And also, because it mostly straddles in the lower segments of the liquor pricing uh, segment, because so mostly are the low margin, high volume segments. So the money that you make or the margins that you make per bottle or per case is pretty low. So that's the story of United Spirits, huge company, huge volumes, but low on profits and margins. Right, but uh, having said that, uh, they would definitely be in a far better position than they were, let's say, back in the 1990s where... The business was scattered, but yes. over time then, is it also right that uh, Vijay Malia approached Pona Record for a joint venture and was spurned? Yes, yes. Basically, coming from the fact that uh, United Spirits brands are mostly on the low-price, high-volume segment. Mm-hmm. So, Malia always was looking at, you know, uh, big brands where margins are huge. So, first, Seagram came in 95 with launched Royal Stag, which is the first green spirit we've seen in India. Till then, we had received that were made out of molasses. So, grain spirit, grain-based spirit means that the taste is finer, margins better because the product is of a higher quality. So, Seagram also had a huge international portfolio with very good, well-known names like Shiva's Figure. It's hard so to when, be Prince. I'm sorry to cut you in, but it's hard to sure. be somebody who knows so much about liquor doesn't uh, take a swig once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> no, I used to. So my past experience have come in handy right now. So. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So, yes. Uh, so what happened was that when Seagram came in, and that time Vijay Mahalia's United States was in a huge uh, turf war with Shaw Wallace for market. And because of the competition between the two, the competition was basically on pricing, so you would cut the prices to get more market share. So Malia approved Seagram for a joint venture so that he could also bring in Seagram's international brands and she was legal and you know, distribute them in India. But at that time, I think the talks failed because uh, Malia wanted to keep Karnataka and Andhra markets out of the game and Seagram didn't uh, agree to that and that was the first time when the joint venture talks failed. And after that, in 2001, Konorika acquired Seagram. And by that time, Saramudra was heading Seagram's business in India. And after Panarika acquired Seagram, Saramudra became the head of Panarika India. And that was the second time uh, when Malia approached them. Uh, he, he told Panarika chairman that you know you need a local 
play to understand the business here and to help you grow. But again, Konodika took us all that, no, we want to go it alone. And the same thing happened two years later again. So that was the third and the last time when Malia approached and talks again fell through. And since then, the fight between them has been intense. It would take quite a lot of guts and instincts and of course a lot of data to, to say no to Malaya three times in a row. And uh, you're talking about Mr. Uberoy who headed Pona Record for, a, for such a long time. Uh, how, how does he come across as a person in, who of course is in contrast to what Vijay Malaya is in terms of not just the lifestyle but in terms of uh, you know, doing business. You definitely have interacted with him for the story. So Interestingly, Amit Verma, my colleague, and from the photography department, who also had a photo shoot. So he was trying to look for Ugroy's photographs on the net. And he spent a whole day trying to get a photograph of Tarun Ugroy on the net and he couldn't. So he was that reclusive a person. I mean, he, he was a professional, he was in Voltage, he was in PepsiCo, part of PepsiCo's team that launched the beverage in India. And he was a reclusive guy who was known within the industry but rarely outside. And he had kept a very low profile in the sense that one, he was he was not a promoter. He was a kind of he was a CEO of a multinational company, Indian unit. And also that he wanted to make sure that the brands, his brands and his products be the topic. So completely reclusive guy, a complete opposite personality to what you have in Mandal. Right. Did it help that he came from a non-liquor background? So, the first few steps that Paramugra took when he initially took over Trigram and then Pono Liquor came in were very unusual for the industry. For one, he was a guy who was not from a sales background. Uh, he is a chartered accountant. He has been CFOs, been mostly finance function. Until then, the liquor industry had seen heads of liquor companies mostly coming from the sales background. But here was this guy who had a finance background, more finance acumen. So his outlook to the whole business inherently was very different. He wanted his products to make money, not just drive for volumes. Mm-hmm. So that, of course, in itself was very different. And the way when he uh, created his team first in Seagram was completely different. He got people among his top team. There's only one person who comes from a liquor background. Everyone else is from SMCG background. So that was very unusual for the industry. And Param uh, Uba even mentioned that initially these kind of steps, he said, I, I suspect, I'm putting in my suspect, we would have been laughed at for these kind of steps because it's something unusual. Why to get SMCG guy background for a liquor industry? But he understood that building brand, building products was, and also having a marketing strategy which was different from the competition was important because he couldn't compete with United Spirits on distribution strength because over the last few decades United Spirits had built a huge distribution network. Its strength was huge in those terms. So Param Ubra understood that he couldn't compete with USL brands on distribution strength. So he had to look at something else. What was that something else? What was the right. strategy to, you know, combat United Spirits? So starting off, they already had a different product because all their whiskeys were grain gates and that was unusual for the Indian liquor market. So because they had a different product which was higher valued, so they decided to play on that. So how to build the brand? So initially they had very selective selection of, you know, distributors across India. But more than that, they looked at building the brand. And in India, because of the advertising restraints, you can't show consumers how to use a product. For instance, in FMCD, you can show how to use a washing 
powder or how to use a soap. But in, in liquor, you can't show someone drinking a whiskey. So you have to create awareness. So what they did was they went across restaurants, they went to clubs and places like Chandigarh, held uh, tasting sessions, they sponsored, you know, a musical night to create awareness of the brand. And once people started tasting the product, they realized it was different from what was already there in the market. And the awareness started spreading. So it was a slow take. And that is very important because mostly companies come and try to do a, a big bang launch, you know, look at aggressive numbers, invest a lot of money initially itself. But Paramoolbhai took the call that it's a long-term game. Let's go start uh, slowly, build the business gradually. So it was a slow start to begin with. But by then, as because the product was very strong, they started getting the uh, recognition among the customers. Customers started coming to the retail outlets, demanding for Ponorico brands like Royal Stag, Blender's Pride, Imperial Blue. And, and from 2004 onwards, they created a huge marketing strategy around these products. So while Royal Stag was associated with Have You Made It Large Punchline, you had Sesali from 2004 onwards, and then you had Uraj and Harbhajan right now endorsing the product. And around Blender's Pride, they started a fashion tour, which is today in its seventh year. So the liquor industry had never seen like this, a sustained long-term marketing campaign around the product. But it helped because from 2004 to what you see now, I mean, the numbers are huge. Blender's Pride is today the biggest brand in its segment, volume-wise and even profit-wise. So this is a very, very different strategy for the industry that that time. And today you see that many more are getting into that premium segment play. Look at Diageo or you look at its Indian company like Radico Ketan, all of them are getting into the premium segment. But 10 years ago, this was something new. So then while the, this was a marketing-led push of sales, how did he solve right. the, the distribution problem? Because there are two things to it. One is, you know, not having something in place and secondly, having to face a market leader who would, quote-unquote, threaten the distributors to stock only his product. Uh, right. How did they tackle that problem? So what they did was they decided that they don't want to go with the big distributors because because initially Panarikar's volumes were low mm-hmm. and they would realize that big distributors won't push their products because there won't be much demand for their products initially. So they intentionally went with smaller distributors who they would know that will help grow the business because the smaller distributors also want to grow. So there was common objective there. Panarico brands want to grow, distributors, smaller distributors also want to grow. Plus, they said, told the distributors that we are not looking for quantity. We don't want to push volumes, but we want you to expand the presence of the brand. So it's not like pushing 10,000 cases in one outlet, but spreading that 10,000 across maybe 10, 20 outlets to increase the visibility of the brand. So that's what the distribution play was for Ponorico, and that's how they they played it. And it was very completely different from what it was till then, because Shaw Wallace and United Spirits would flood the market with their products, make sure that their products are very visible at the shelf in the retail outlet. And interestingly, even in mid of 2000, 2005, when USO told the distributors that you either sell USO products or you sell Ponorico products, Every distributor took the side of U.S. products except for one, and you read that in the story about Deepak Autarmani, who took the call that he will distribute 
Panarico products. And today he is the only one distributor for Panarico in Bombay, which is a huge market. But it was fine because Panarico was not pushing for volumes, it was more pushing for width. And width here means that presence across, across more outlets. And it worked for them. And today, uh, Panarico brands, Bombay have a 30 more than 30% market share, which is huge. And even in Goa, where I think the distributor took side of USL products, now Deepak Autumani is also handling the Goa distributorship. So it worked for them. It worked fine for them with this kind of a strategy, to go for smaller distributors and growing with the distributors. Right. And what has Malaya's response been to this? One, he tried because he has a stranglehold over distribution across India. So like in Bombay, he did, he told distributors that you either stock my or Panarico products. Mm-hmm. And uh, all but one distributor stole this line. Other than that, he also over the now, now last few years has started looking at the premium segment, especially after 2007 when he bought White & McKay. That's a huge brand. It has a huge stock of very fine liquor and Malia can leverage on that brand. So, so they have also come out today. This year they have come out with Signature Premium, which is a higher premium product. One year ago they launched McDonald's Platinum, which is also a higher premium product from what they had till now. So Malia is also kind of reacting to the competition from Panorica. But do notice that this is just reacting to it. He's not setting new barometers in terms of product quality or marketing strategies. So Panorica was setting up new standards and right now USL is just reacting to those. So he's reacting, there are a lot more products going to come from USL uh, stable. But the competition is heating up because everyone now realizes that premium segment is where the money is to be made and everyone wants to do that. Right. But you know, having said that, I quote from your article that Bernard Ricard still sells only half as much as United Spirit does. So yeah. with, in terms of revenue, they are far behind. So should he be worrying that much? Because again, I quote from the article, things might only get worse from here for Malaya. Why this sweeping statement, please? Because it is one thing to have a strategy to sell premium brands, but what do you do if you don't have the skill sets for that? Because still now, USL sales force have been pushing for volumes. Their targets would be based not at the profits that the brand would make, but at the volumes. So last 20 years, they have been pushing volumes. They are not there to create brands. And then, on the other hand, when you're selling a premium brand, you have to create a brand, you look, you have to create consumer conscious around the brand. It's a different ball game. And I quote a report by IDF Securities who had said that with McDonald Platinum, which USL launched last year, it was supposed to be a premium brand, but they underpriced it. So they lost an opportunity there because even though it hit 1 million cases within a year, it lost an opportunity to create a really a good premium brand. So here again, even with a premium brand, they were pushing for volumes rather than looking at a right pricing strategy, which would give them more profit per case of liquor sold. So that, and whereas if you look at Pono uh, Records, over the last 10 years, they have honed their skills in creating brands and selling that across the consumer. And with better brands, better visibility, you get better profitability. So that is one advantage that Panorica would have over United Spirits. With, with so many things at play, uh, I'm yeah. sure you would have enjoyed covering this uh, this story, Prince. How long did it take? It 
took almost two months because it's a complex industry. One needed to understand the industry, and because so less is known about Panorama and Paramubhra, so we needed to do a lot of meetings, a lot of research work. And finally, the meeting uh, with Paramubhra happened over three rounds of uh, interviews. So there's a lot of uh, work happening because from Bangalore also my colleagues were working on the story. So it was. But it was great fun because this industry has sort of say color and drama. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think on that note, it, it's time to wrap up, and uh, would love sure. to hear from our listeners what they think about this podcast as well as the cover story. Uh, thanks a lot, Prince. Thank you, Abhishek. Pleasure talking. And uh, all you listeners, you can get this podcast on uh, business.in.com as well as theindicast.com, and also of course on iTunes. Go log on to iTunes and type Forbes India there and get these podcasts for free. And message Forbes to five one eight one eight to get a subscription of Forbes India. That's about it. Bye again, Prince. Thank you. Sir.